Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday. And a big thanks to Kush's Bayou Rouge, who allows us to bring this program your way commercial-free. In business over 16 years here in Tallahassee, tabbed best of Tallahassee by Tallahassee Magazine four straight years, Tommy, and six out of the last seven. And i got to set the record straight here. So I married into uh, somebody from New Orleans. Outkicked my coverage as many of us did. It's not about temperature. Is that where you're going? It, it is because I think there's a, a misnomer out there that Cajun food means it's hot and it doesn't. What it means is it's flavorful and it's doggone good. And trust me, I spent a lot of time because of said wife, Laura, who is from New Orleans uh, at Kusha's Bayou Rouge. So I encourage you guys to do the same. And uh, they're open seven days a week, have breakfast uh, Wednesday through Sunday. I get there often with my son, Garrett. You should go as well. Make it a Sunday staple. That's what the uh, FSU football coaching staff has done. Matter of fact, Kusha's caters for the coaching staff uh, every Sunday during this football season. They break down the tape and get set for uh, the next opponent. So, again, thanks to Kusha's. They are on Thomasville Road at, on the west side just past Cary Force. Now, with that said, here's Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good morning, everybody. We welcome you to Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday. KJ, we get to keep the name this week. It is, it is actually a Seminole Sunday. It really is. And, I, you know, everything else being equal. When you're two and five going into a ball game, regardless of who you're playing, the only thing, the only thing you want to do, Tommy, is win, and Florida State did that. So everything else is gravy. So we're not going to discount whether that was a high-quality club or not, although I will say that's a, that's a team that beat Clemson. I mean, that's a decent team that has a good quarterback that, uh, that played hard, and I can tell you there was genuine excitement in the Florida State locker room. Now, I don't want to misstate this. This was not, we just won the national championship over Auburn, but... Having been in the locker room all season long, this is the first time in a while it seemed like they genuinely enjoyed playing and appreciated a win. And there was more energy on the sideline yesterday, too. Well, this was the first home win, wasn't it? Yes. Florida State had not won a home game in the entire 2017 season. And again, as you and I talked about and others as well, coming into the ball game, it, it really didn't matter whether it was pretty or ugly or anywhere in between. The primary focus was the the, the name on the front of the jersey, which Florida State doesn't put their name on the front, but we know what that means. Playing for yourself, your team rather, and and beating whoever was lined up across from you. And Florida State did that. So that's the takeaway. It doesn't need to be any more complicated than that, and it doesn't need to be watered down. That was the goal, and that's what Florida State accomplished. I will say that it was uh, eerily similar to several games this year and the way they've unfolded, Keith. And for me specifically, it just felt, well, there was the fumbled snap, which I'm sure made people feel like the end of the Louisville game. But when Syracuse is coming down the field and they're at the 20-something yard line with 11 seconds to go, I'm thinking this is the Miami game all over again. That's where Miami was, needing a field goal to tie with, I think, exactly 11 seconds left at the 20-something yard line. This one, however, worked out. And, you know, the Syracuse kicker missed two, one was blocked. I don't have empathy for him. Normally I would. But Florida State, for all of Florida State's issues, the breaks have not been tilted equally this year. It feels like just about every break has gone against FSU, and so they finally got one. They did. You, you saw a review on the spot of a ball, which very rarely happens, and Florida State lost that. But then you saw the review on the fumble, the fumble exchange, where clearly um, 
Blackman had his knee on the ground when he had the ball before the defensive lineman took it away from him, and Florida State got that one. Um, you know, we can talk about uh, the referee in, and we can talk about the reviews and all that at another time, but it seemed to be that Florida State was right on the cusp of getting some getting some things working their way, and yet at the very end, we were all going, oh no, here we go again, the same scenario again, and Florida State fortunately comes out victorious, and, and again, don't want to make any more or any less of it. It was a game that Florida State needed to win, and they did just that. I will say, though, and I understand that the next game is Clemson, which is a huge challenge for anybody. But this could be a win that just lets the players exhale a little bit and, and go to practice and maybe not feel the weight of the world on their shoulders and have a good week at practice. doesn't mean they're going to beat Clemson, but maybe they play freer. There's no question that Florida State understands, I, th- I believe, the players understand, that this was not you know, a top-ten club. This was not playing for the ACC championship or get into the ACC championship game. Certainly not a national championship game. But I, I just reference you and I had an opportunity to spend a little time outside of the locker room after the game. And I just looked at Derwin James, and he had a big smile on his face. He had a very good ball game. Uh, he played very, very well. But he had a big smile on his face. And, and I can't begin to understand the pressure and the frustration that these, these kids have faced I know what it was like for me 35 or 40 years ago, but that doesn't mean what it's like today. But to see him with that smile on his face, I think you're exactly right. I think there was a, a an exhale, a release, and maybe, just maybe, it portends, if that's the proper use of the word, for some other things. By no means am I expecting that Florida State's going to go in and wax Clemson. But maybe, just maybe, this puts Florida State in a position where they go in and they will play well against Clemson at Clemson when the time comes. And that time will come this Saturday, but right now it's time to hear Jimbo Fisher's comments to the media. This is after Florida State's 27-24 to win yesterday over Syracuse, and this is courtesy of Seminoles.com. First of all, I'd like to say great job by Syracuse. It was a heck of a game. Dino's got that team playing really well, done a great job with them. Got some senior leadership in those receivers and quarterback and defensively. Uh, did some nice things in the game, so very they, they did a great job. Uh, very proud of our guys. Like I said, competed heart, a lot of heart and soul. Didn't always play smart. Didn't always do things we got to do. And, that, and when you play young guys, that's part of what you're going to grow through. You got to learn to go through it. They got to grow through it. They got to learn, and you got to teach. But their ability to compete and do things was was uh, you know their heart and soul was in it. So got better. Learned to overcome. Made scored enough points. Hit some big plays in the first half. And third down, when I knew it going in, we were, we weren't very good at all. We didn't do very good. Uh, they hit some big third and longs, which was very disappointing uh, and some key things. But uh, a couple times, uh, they had a little interference on one or two there, threw some guys out of the way. But uh, would have helped, but uh, didn't get called. But, uh, you know, our punter did a nice job in the game. Uh, Ricky hit the big field goal, was huge right there in the second half uh, to do that. But our kids overcome enough and come out and won. And, you know, that sometimes that's what it needs to jump start you. And got one, one down the books, got to keep going one at a time. One of the things Jimbo said after the game, Keith, he, he was really pleased with the players when he talked to them about their effort, their intensity, all of that. Wasn't necessarily pleased with the fundamentals because there was a lot of things left out on the field again, whether it's a busted assignment on defense or whether it's a miscue on offense. There's things that if Florida State would clean them up, these games wouldn't come down to the end. But that said, 
he was really pleased with the effort, and, and I was too, given that when you lose a game like you did at Boston College, there's pretty much one of two ways you can go. You can pack it in and say, I'm done, or you can actually show some guts and some pride and come out and fight, and to FSU's credit, they did that. You can be very selfish and say, it's all about me, so all I'm worried about is how I'm going to position myself either for next season or in the case of a few of these kids, which which will get drafted and will have a career in the NFL, I'm just going to do enough to continue to make myself look good for the NFL. Or you can say, look, we've got five, maybe six games left. This is an opportunity for us to come together as a unit, to play together as a unit. And despite the fact that um, there were a lot of yardage that the defensive unit gave up, and we'll talk about that more when we specifically look at the defense. I thought they played one of their better games of the year. And certainly offensively, they, they scored more points, they did more things than they had done in any previous game. And I'm proud of the kids for not packing it in and being selfish. It appeared, it appeared that they had made a good step, a first step towards playing as a team. I just could sense on the sideline, now granted, Part of it is you're on the road last week, you're at home this week. There was more energy, though. There was. It just looked, energy is one way to describe it, but it just looked like they were having fun, and it hasn't looked, it's looked an awful lot like a dentist appointment, quite frankly, a lot of this season, being on the sideline for Florida State. Yesterday, they looked like they enjoyed themselves. They relaxed, and, and the coaching staff has been talking to them about it. Jimbo, in particular, as the head coach, has been saying, just relax, relax, do your job. Make the play as it comes to you. Don't try to do more than you're supposed to. Do your job. Trust the person to your right, the person to your left to do their job. And if you will follow that methodology, do what you're supposed to do, and then take opportunity when the play comes your way, then we can be successful. And I thought you saw them relax and do just that. And for the most part, there were some breakdowns. This is not a national championship caliber team. This is a team that's got a lot of work to do. But for the most part, you saw offense, defense, special teams do what they were supposed to do when they were supposed to do it, and Florida State comes out victorious. The two guys who wear the number three jerseys, they, they stood out yesterday. Derwin on defense, Cam on offense. We'll talk about that more. But just as a general starting point, they both played really well. They really did. And remember, you're talking about the equivalent of a redshirt sophomore, although we fully expect Derwin to be gone after this year. And you're talking about a true freshman and Cam Akers. Uh, I thought Akers played as as mature and as forceful a game as I've ever seen. And, and, and the, the play that solidified my love of Cam Akers had nothing to do with him running the football. It's when, when, when Syracuse was flagged for a late hit. It wasn't really a late hit. It was a, a hit that was plenty good in terms of its timing. But the defensive player drove Blackman into the ground. It was that extra effort, uh, in a negative sense, that got the flag. And Akers was the first one at, what, 5'10", 5'11", 195, right in the face of a 6'3", 6'4", 270-pound defensive end protecting his quarterback. Did not get flagged for it in my opinion, did not do anything that should have gotten flagged. But he was right there in the face of that defensive end to tell him, we, we're not going to tolerate that on our court, on our home field, and I'm protecting my quarterback. That's a huge statement from a freshman running back. And it's one that we haven't seen from anybody, really, in, in some time. I thought the same exact thing when it happened. Another thing that uh, I often think on these Sundays, Keith, is that 
when you're looking for uh, a way to get out of the house, maybe not cook dinner, head to Koosh's on Sunday. Enjoy the NFL games. Let Koosh take care of the cooking for you. They're on Thomasville Road, just past Cary Forest on the left side. I tell you all the time, they're kid-friendly. They uh, are open for breakfast uh, five days a week, Wednesday through Sunday. Got really good food, so uh, I would encourage you and yours and others, head to Koosh's today. It'll, it'll round out what has been a seminal Sunday weekend, or seminal weekend, seminal Sunday. Is it too too bad for me to say keep Mama from cooking? You just did. Sorry. We'll come back. I have another thing. You're talking about a freshman that showed uh, some fight or some defense of his quarterback in Cam Akers. I, I got another one that involves the punt returner, and it's not what you think. We'll explore that when we come back on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday, is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Tom Block, Keith Jones, back with you on Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday. Thanks for tuning in. We do this each and every Sunday. It airs at 9 and 7 right here on 97.9. Our regular show comes your way Wednesdays at 6. Just finish this DJ Matthews story real quick. Now, DJ, obviously, uh, we might as well talk about the punt. Uh, to me, he looks more comfortable than McFadden catching punts. He clearly made a bad decision yesterday. It was it was exactly the same as Keith Gavin in the game against Alabama where he tried to make a play where there wasn't one, and he brought a ball out and he fumbled it. You have to wait for the plays to be there. The, 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 the correct play was a fair catch. That will come with more repetition. It will. He just looks, as you mentioned, he looks comfortable doing it. Uh, he had one punt where he fair caught it. And the ball got a little over his head, and he basically reached up over his head and snatched it out of the air. That's somebody that knows how to catch, regardless of whether it's a punt, a thrown ball, or anything in between. I'm very comfortable with him back there. I'm perfectly willing to forgive him for that uh, that botched uh, punt. The, the 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 what do we call him today? Not a fumble, but a muff. A muff. Uh, because he was trying to make something happen. It was a point in the ball game, and he shouldn't have. But he did. He made a mistake. He'll learn from it. That won't happen again. But I like him back there returning punts. I'm very comfortable with him. By the way, and, and I'm digressing here, I will come back to the main point about DJ. Uh, for all the talk or the questioning or the skepticism about Jimbo and his fourth down math, Dino Babers opted not to kick a field goal just before halftime. And, oh, by the way, how much did Syracuse lose that game by? Uh, three points last I checked. Right. So that was a pretty important decision when they they didn't score there. We'll get to defense momentarily. Here's what I was going to say about DJ. I don't remember the exact circumstance. It was in the second half, and Blackman had just gotten sacked. I think on it might have been the first down play action where he never had a chance, and he gets DJ. While the while the team is in a timeout, the offensive line stays on the field. Everybody else on offense is talking to the coaches. DJ left that huddle and went out to the offense of line. And I don't think it was a, what are you guys doing? I think it was a pick yourselves up guys. It's all right. Let's get this together kind of thing. And, and I don't know what he said, but the fact that as a freshman, he went out there, I thought, well, that's a good sign too. Cause here's somebody that's trying to pick up his teammates right now who just blew an assignment and got their quarterback blown up. And we've been talking about leadership all the time. And in the perfect world, your leadership comes from your juniors and your seniors. Well, Florida state has been lacking in leadership. So some of the underclassmen have begun the process of stepping up. That's why I thought it was a good sign. Absolutely. And you can do that as long as the upperclassmen understand that you're giving effort. And I don't think anybody has questioned DJ's effort, and certainly no one has questioned Cam's effort. And maybe, just maybe, it's time for freshmen to take over leadership of this program. Not the way I would draw it up, but not something I have a problem with. Right. It's, it's, uh, it's sort of like Jimbo 
says you'd rather say whoa than giddy up. So, you know, I'd rather say whoa on DJ if he was out of place with whatever he said or did than to have to say giddy up and force him to be a leader. So anyway, that was the, that was the DJ anecdote that I wanted to share. Okay, let's talk about the defense. Uh, in, in hindsight, Keith, as we look back, the defense started this game very well. Seeing how much Eric Dungy means to that offense, to be fair, FSU's defense got a break that Dungy missed three series early on because Syracuse's offense was not as good with the backup quarterback, not surprisingly, as it is with Dungy. Well, let's just look at the numbers. Dungy was 24 of 43 for 278 yards. He had 22 rushes for 109 yards net. All right, last time I checked, that's right at 400 yards of total offense. That's a very good quarterback. So you can rant and rave about Florida State's defense. And certainly they had issues and times when they had breakdowns. But I think one of the things that's interesting is you can make numbers say what you want them to. If you look at third downs for Florida State, and I had this conversation with Charles Kelly after the game. He walked up to me. We said hello. We exchanged pleasantries, that type of thing. He goes, KJ, we stopped them on 14 third downs. 14 third downs, Florida State stopped Syracuse. The only problem was they had 25. They were 11 of 25 on third down. And conversely, Florida State offensively against the number two third down defense in the country was just one of 13. Well, if you look at those numbers and measure that parameter, then Florida State should lose this ballgame by two touchdowns. The defense played well. They had issues. There are still issues. There are things they've got to clean up. But this is a defense that played well enough to win, and guess what Florida State did? They won a ball game. We'll get to some of the reasons for the issues related to yesterday in just a bit. But first, let's hear from Derek Noddy, who, as you'll recall, had a big, big sack in that last drive. And as I talked about, and he also led the team uh, with seven tackles. That number will get upped after the coaches graded, but uh, immediately coming out of the game, seven tackles and a sack. So Syracuse misses a kick at the end. Well, if they're six or eight yards closer, maybe that kick's good. And Derek Noddy had a sack that cost him six or eight yards, and I asked him about that uh, in the postgame. There's no rest for the weary. So uh, I know you as much as everybody were pretty pleased that there was not overtime out there today after facing that off. Know, the way that last drive unfolded, you had a key sack in there, and I don't know how many lost yards there were, but if you think about it, six, eight, ten yards, uh, that difference is probably the difference in whether that kick goes in or not. Oh, yes. bigger than one win given the way this season has unfolded. How significant can just one one win against Syracuse be? I, I really think it's really significant. Um, all the things we've been going through up to now, trying to play, this is going to be a great training point. Realize it's how I feel if you would die. So we, every, since this how it ended, I see it as there's no turn point. we got to keep going to do the same things we do and keep pushing, keep learning, keep correcting our mistakes. And I feel like, I feel like We'll have a great. It will be a great season at the end of the year. What kind of a challenge was that against a Dungy, who's a really good quarterback, and B just that pace and tempo that Syracuse runs today? Um, honestly, our mindset was just get um, be on back to the ball, get aligned, and just get the play call. Get a play call, and after that, we just got to play football. Derek Nottie, uh, a really good player, and I think Keith, for all of Florida State's faults this year, 
I don't know anybody that's found fault with how the defensive tackles have played. Naughty Christmas, the youngster, Wilson, is that his name? Marvin Wilson. Marvin Wilson. Uh, they, they've been very, very good. In the way that Charles Kelly's defense is designed, you don't ask your defensive tackles to make 12 or 15 tackles a ball game. You don't ask them to have three sacks a ball game. Their job is to keep guards and center off the linebackers so that linebackers can fly to the ball and make tackles. And all Naughty and Christmas and Wilson and company have done is performed well. Trust me, the people that were paying attention, the people at the next level, the NFL, they understand what Naughty and Christmas and company have done, and, and that appropriate reward will come in due time. I think as Florida State fans, we just need to be appreciative of the fact that those defensive tackles have probably, probably, Tommy, been the most consistent unit, offense or defense, on this Florida State squad in 2017. Yeah, I think that's I think that's dead on. All right, let, let's move around. Here's what I wanted to say about the secondary and the DB. So uh, it bears noting... And this is significant. If you look at Florida State's safeties this year and you say Derwin and Trey Marshall are the frontline guys, well, the immediate backups to them uh, were A.J. Westbrook and Ehrman Lane. So if you look at yesterday's game, Ehrman Lane was playing offense and A.J. Westbrook was not dressed. Well, then you have fifth-year senior Nate Andrews, also not dressed. So who were your extra safeties yesterday? They were Nasral Dean, who the coaches are very high on and has played a decent amount this year. Uh, but also Fagan, who was injured at the start of the year and has not played a whole lot. So I'm saying that to say this. A lot of times when Florida State had six, uh, five, six, seven DBs at some times on the field, uh, one of them was a guy who hadn't played very much, and another guy next to him was a true freshman. And that's part of the reason that there were some holes there for Dungy to throw to. The youngsters are going to make mistakes. You want them to make mistakes early in the year, game one, game two, game three. But in, in, in the case of Fagan, he was hurt for the first five or six games. Uh, you've got kids that you practice with all week that aren't able to dress at the game for whatever reason, and Nate Andrews, et cetera. And the other thing that it does, Tommy, is because you don't have bodies back there that you can trust, you can't move Derwin James up closer to the line of scrimmage to give him the opportunity to make plays. Well, Coach Kelly said, I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to play Fagan, the young kid. I'm going to move Derwin up. All Derwin had it was one interception. He dropped another one which I teased him about in the, after the game, and he, he just smiled. Thankfully, he didn't swing on me. But, but he had a, a couple of key tackles. I think he had a, a tackle for a loss, maybe close to a sack, because they made the decision to go ahead and play the youngster, move Derwin up, give him an opportunity to make plays, and he did just that. He had several PBUs, too. And on that interception he dropped, by the way, there was an offensive lineman about to cut him. So that's where his eyes were, and that's why he, he, uh, he dropped that ball. Um, explain what happened on the first Syracuse touchdown where Trey Marshall was the guy trailing, but it wasn't like Trey got beat off the line. He just didn't get the call change. One of the things that happens when you go against an up-tempo team, Florida State likes to play boundary corner and field corner, which means when the ball from, moves from one hash to the other, which it did on that play, it moved from the offense's left hash to the offense's right hash. Well, Stanford Samuels, the freshman, didn't get switched. So they have to make a call, leave him to the wide side. Trey Marshall has to move up and literally take where Samuels should be, and then they ran motion. They ran the back motion to the weak side into the boundary. They made a switch call, and Marshall didn't catch it. So it's great design by Syracuse. Yes, is it a mistake? 
Yes. Is it something that you shouldn't make? Yes. But there's a reason for it. The reason for it was the freshman, Samuels, didn't get lined up where he was supposed to. All right. So we're going to castigate him and make him the culprit? Are we going to understand that those mistakes happen sometime? And in this particular case, Syracuse had the right call at the right time and they scored on it. It didn't happen again. It happened the one time. It didn't happen again. And Florida State can use that as a learning experience. All right. We're running this segment long, but I want to ask you this question too, Keith. McFadden gets beat for a touchdown and we've talked a lot about McFadden. I run into a lot of fans who talk about him. He had good coverage in that he was pretty much stride for stride with the receiver. So explain what happened, because I was there on the sideline. When he turned to look back for the ball, he never found the ball. It was going over his head as he turned around, and by the time he turned back, the receiver had made the catch. When you turn your, ball, your head back inside, one of the things that is just human nature about your body is your body will drift back to the middle of the field. When you turn your head inside, your body will drift back to the middle of the field. You have to do what we called 40 years ago. You have to sink. You have to understand that when you turn your head back inside, you've got to force your body back outside so that you don't get separation. He did not do that. That's one of the things we keep saying. I'm not, I'm not necessarily picking on him, but I'm telling because of his great talent, he has not learned technique. He has not learned technique. He is not a smart football player. That will come in time, but what he's got to understand is there are certain things about coverage that require repetitive work so that you're you're not relying on your talent. You understand the technique and you exercise the technique and you do it correctly. That's a case where his supreme talent kept him from doing something from a technique standpoint. He got beat for a touchdown. That was Syracuse's first touchdown, and that's when uh, Syracuse got the offense rolling a little bit. All in all, though, the defense comes up with some big plays at the end. The field goal is missed, and Florida State wins it 27-24. to We'll talk about the offensive side of the ball when we continue on Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Florida State wins its third game of the year, and boy, it. Nothing has been easy this year, we'll say this. But, but I'll also say that Cam Akers makes some things look pretty easy, and they're not. And when this passing game develops, i.e. when teams aren't putting nine guys in the box against a freshman quarterback, he, he's going to look an awful lot like, dare I say it, like Dalvin Cook did. It, it was amazing. Uh, I thought the first series of Florida State uh, came out uh, took the ball, drove right down the field and scored just the second time they had scored on the first series of any game this year. Uh, I thought Akers looked as comfortable and as polished as he has at any time during the game. Finishes the contest with uh, 22 carries for 199 yards. Uh, had the two long runs for touchdowns, one of 54 and one of 63. The 63-yard run uh, was remarkable in a couple of ways in that he got some downfield blocks to assist him. But I thought the first run, that 54-yard run, I, I almost had tears in my eyes, Tommy, when he got into the end zone. That was the first time all year long that Florida State had been up by two scores on any opponent at any time. And I'm sure the kids don't pay attention to things like that, but from a schematic standpoint, from an overview big picture standpoint, that was pretty remarkable. And then we've talked about it previously. We'll probably talk about it for a long time to go. 
when he trucked that safety in the second half, I mean, just flat out ran over the safety. I mean, you could feel you could feel the stadium responding to that effort. Uh, it was as remarkable a freshman effort as I've seen in Doak Campbell Stadium in the 40-plus years that I've been watching football in Doak Campbell Stadium. It, w- it was a tremendous effort. And, uh, and again, not, and not to belabor the point, but the reality is Florida State's passing game is not very advanced right now. And part of that is James Blackman. Part of that is that as I look on the sideline, there's George Campbell, there's Auden Tate, there's Nooney getting his finger worked on by the trainer. They were short on receivers to begin with. Uh, had to move a safety. The tight, they had to move a safety. The tight ends have to stay in the block. So this is not all. Cam Akers doesn't know pass pro as well as he will. There's a lot of reasons the passing game is not where it will be. But when it gets to a passing game that the other team has to truly respect, imagine what those holes are going to look like for Cam. Exactly. And, and again, we can use all of the reasons and the skeptics will call them excuses, but the matter of the fact is Florida State is shorthanded from the receivers, and they're hurt. Florida State is playing a freshman quarterback that is getting hit more than he should. Offensive line protection was was better than good, but was not great. And you've got a freshman in Acres trying to pick up blitzes on pass pro, and sometimes he gets it and sometimes he doesn't. all in all, once this Florida State passing game really finds its footing, I agree with you. How much is that going to open up some more lanes for the folks like Cam Akers to, to run the ball? And, and I think that's a positive thing that we can look forward to. You mentioned a safety that moved back to offense. That is Ermon Lane, who uh, started his career as a receiver, moved last year to safety, has moved back. I, I will say this about Ermon, who is a was a five-star coming out, and clearly – and I didn't ask him this, we'll hear from him momentarily, but you'd have to think if you're a five-star coming out of high school and you've had to switch positions, your career hasn't unfolded the way you thought it might. That said, he's been willing and selfless enough to say, I can help the team more on defense, I'm going to go over there. And this year, as it turns out, ironically, since there were safeties hurt today uh, that didn't play, but he, he, he knows the receivers were short, and so he moved back over, and that's a credit to him. Very much so. The thing I like about Lane more than anything else, Tommy, is is not that he's a five-star recruit. He's shown me that he's a football player. And you know how I am about that. You're going to roll your eyes in the back of your head, and you're going to get mad at me because you think I bore our listeners to death. I really, really hate the recruiting services. I really, really hate that kids are are dubbed a four-star or a five-star. All that means is that they're, they have a certain height, a certain weight. They can run a certain speed. They can lift weights. They can jump high. What I want to be able to measure is their heart. I want to be able to find a way to measure, can they be a football player? I'm not interested in them as an athlete. I'm interested in them as a football player. You and I have talked all the time. I don't even go out to practice when they're in shorts. I don't care. Everybody looks good in shorts. Now, I don't look good in shorts, but I'm 58 years old. I used to look good in shorts. (laughs) Put on the pads, and let's make some football plays. And then tell me, and all of our fans get caught up that we've got all these five stars and all these four stars. That doesn't mean anything. I want to know who our football players are. And Ermon Lane is a football player. He's got the right heart. He's got the right attitude. He doesn't have gaudy statistics. Not everybody can name his name, but everybody on those 85 scholarship football players appreciate what Ermon Lane has done for this team. He is a team player who can play football. 
I had a chance to talk to him about much of what you just discussed, Keith, and here's that interview from after the game yesterday. I'll set it up by pointing out, and you'll recall, he had a big catch on the last scoring drive when Florida State got the field goal that turned out to be the winning field goal. It was a 28-yard catch, so that's part of our conversation. Herman, congratulations. It's been a long time coming. It just feels like this team's been snake bit. I could tell from the locker room that it just feels good to have one go your way at the end. Uh, so congratulations. I know it's a lot better place than you guys were seven days ago. Yeah, it, it felt real good, you know just bouncing back from a loss that we took like a couple of days ago. We came to practice this week ready to work. We put in the work, and we the offensive players seen how the defense was working, and they picked us up this week, so we had to take that extra step too. How much can this carry over now that you saw, you know, after you, you sort of hit rock bottom, I guess, against BC, and, and now for the group to come back and work hard enough to get to this point to try and build on this now? We just got to take what we did today and just execute even more and take – and go into next week and just um, continue to do what we do it this week. But I feel like we gained a, we gaining our confidence back, so that's a positive. And I feel like this team gonna be uh, we gonna finish strong. You had a big catch on that final scoring drive for Florida State. Uh, just just describe the play call there, and uh, you, you faked a few guys out too as you moved the ball up the field there. Well, it was um you know it was a third down play that um we had to execute, and I, I knew the ball was gonna come our way because of the play call and. I just made a play. When did, did you decide or did the coaches come to you about moving back to the offensive side of the ball? Man, it was just, it was a lot going through my head, you know, at the moment. And, like, I just want to help the team out. We, we've been doing we've been doing bad this year. I can't even lie about that. But it's like we struggled on, on offense. Some of the guys went down. And I was like, okay, I'm going to just go on that side again and help out. And then Coach Dawson called me, and he was like, he need me. And, that, you know, I'm a team player. I never was the guy to, like, pout by anything or complain. I was just – I said, yeah, I ain't had no, um, no like, back and forth with it. When he's done, we'll get right to you. And then you well, and you as, as much as anybody as a senior, uh, even though this hasn't unfolded the way you want it to, uh, I mean, you want to make sure that this team keeps that bowl streak alive and carries it on from here. So I know that's important that you get the guys focused along the rest of the way. Yeah, it won't feel right if we don't go to a bowl this year because before I got here, it been bowl games after bowl games. When I got here these these first, these three years that I was here, we've been to bowl games. And, like, I can't go out like that my last year, not going to no bowl games. So we got to continue to work. And I'm going to continue to push the younger guys in practice so we can um, continue that streak. So kudos, credit to uh, to Erman as he found a way to contribute. Uh, again, it's it's ironic because had he not moved to receiver – and had he played all week at safety and practiced, he probably would have seen very extensive action yesterday at the safety position, given the other guys that were out. But he saw extensive action at receiver. And again, George Campbell's out. Uh, Keith Gavin is just now coming back. Auden Tate was out. Nooney got dinged a little bit. Uh, it's tough. I mean, uh, three and four wide sets are hard to come by for Florida State, which is why you saw a lot of two tight ends. Well, you did, and occasionally you'll see uh, Izzo out. Occasionally you'll see Cam Akers at the far wide out, they'll even use the running backs in order to go the four or five wide. You, know, you play with the hand you're dealt, Tommy. Florida State's short, uh, if you will, on the number of scholarship wide receivers. They've had some injuries. Uh, Jimbo and, and Lawrence Dalsey have just had to adapt, and certainly not the way you would draw it up, what you would want, but you, you, you play with the hand you're dealt. Let's talk about the, the rest of the game offensively. Obviously, it was, it was a, a pass to Nooney early, big play there, and then it was two big runs by Cam. Uh, other than that, the, the the team struggled to convert third downs, including the one at the very end of the game, Keith, 
where Florida State gets the ball, and you're in a situation where you need at least one first down, probably two to clearly ice it because Syracuse had its timeouts left. They get an eight-yard gain on first down on a quarterback run, which credit to Jimbo. We've talked about running the quarterback a little bit more. He did, play the game. he did run Blackman a few yep. more times. Then you get Rasul, who looks like he puts his head down and gets a first. They award a first down, and here come the officials to review it. And, uh, you know, they have the right to review that. It's just it's frustrating there because that's not – you could review that after every play and move the ball two inches left or right. So they chose that point. I'm sure Dino asked him to. Uh, but the, the bigger picture is then you get to third down, and you get a fumbled snap there on what was going to be a quarterback sneak. So let's think about this. Against Louisville – you were, you were asking the quarterback to make the handoff, and there was a fumbled exchange. So you remove that entirely and say, we're just going to snap it to the quarterback, secure the ball, and get the first down, which he would have done, I'm quite certain. And it goes on the ground again, and FSU was fortunate on that review that they ruled he was down. And, of course, the Florida State faithful would point to the fact that FSU never gets a favorable review. Uh, that particular time they did because clearly Blackman's knee was on the ground while he had the ball before the defensive lineman for Syracuse took it out of his hands. FSU got lucky there from that standpoint, uh, but luck is 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 a is she's a fickled friend sometimes. Uh, it was the right call, and Florida State was fortunate to get that call. It should never have happened, however. I mean that that's the other thing we've got to go back to. Remember, it's a freshman quarterback. Those types of things, you know, they do occur. Uh, FSU dodges that bullet. Uh, continues with the with the possession and then punts the ball back uh, and gives uh, Syracuse the ball with the last time for possession. I'm going to continue that thought in our next segment about guys trying to make plays uh, instead of letting them come to them, and I'll expound upon that momentarily after I expound upon the fact that it's a good day to head down to Cushes. Every day is a good day to head down to Cushes Bayou Rouge. Opening soon in College Town, as I mentioned, they're out on Thomasville Road on the left side once you passed. Cary Forest Parkway. They're great for breakfast. If you like Cajun food, they are ideal, but uh, the menu is more diverse than that. They are kid-friendly, so uh, tell Koosh that Keith and I sent you his way. We'll come back. Some final thoughts on Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday. Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and Keith with you. Just to finish my thought uh, real quickly on the freshman uh, trying to make plays. So we mentioned D.J. Matthews. Just call a fair catch. The play wasn't there. We didn't talk about the Nasraldine play, which was clearly, you know, he's trying to make a play. His heart's probably in the right place. Completely bad decision. It was fourth down, A. So you're losing field position even if if you do get it to your teammate to make an interception. B, it almost was caught by Syracuse. So just a bad deal all around. And then... We were talking about James Blackman before the break. You know, that, that fumbled exchange, maybe, he's just trying to hurry things just just a split second to get the quarterback sneak, and that's how the ball ends up on the ground. Take your time. Let the play come to you. Don't try to make the play. Take advantage of the play when it presents itself. Simple. Sounds easy. Hard to do in the heat of the inv- of, 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 of the battle. Uh, but But that's a freshman mistake, Tommy. I'm sorry. When you play freshman, you're going to have issues. All right, 
One freshman who has matured quickly is Cam Akers, and uh, not surprisingly, he's our star of the game. Very much so. Time now for our Prime Meridian Bank performance of the game, and it came at the 1338 mark. Well, it was a little bit before that, but when he finally crossed the goal line, it was the 1338 mark. Cam Akers from 54 yards out. Florida State with their second score made it 14 to nothing. First time in 2017 that FSU had had a two-possession lead, and it was a remarkable run by a remarkable freshman who finished the game with 199 yards in the contest. Are you shopping for a home mortgage? Try my bank for the best rate the first time. Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Prime Meridian Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender, NMLS number 36, excuse me, 393620. And Cam Akers, our Prime Meridian Bank performance of the game. All right, I'm going to do this, Keith. We we can talk about Clemson on Wednesday, but let's just do the math. Florida State is at three wins. They play Delaware State. That'll be four. They play at Florida. Never easy to play at Florida, but FSU's won three in a row, and the wheels apparently fell off for Florida at Missouri as they got embarrassed. I haven't had a chance to see that game as we're recording this. Point being, that's a winnable game that would get you to five, which means it makes sense to reschedule Louisiana Monroe even if 12 people show up on December 3rd, because that could get you to six wins and make you bowl eligible. That, of course, is all assuming that you lose this week at Clemson. And that's assuming you lose at Clemson. Clemson struggling with NC State uh, makes it an interesting type of proposition because did Florida State learn enough from the Syracuse game to really rally the troops, go into Death Valley, and play Clemson the way you would like them to? Two things, Tommy. Number one, 35 years of consecutive bowls. Don't discount that. That's a remarkable streak that Florida State, if they get one more bowl, will actually set the NCAA mark. They're tied with Nebraska currently at 35 consecutive seasons with a bowl game. 41 consecutive winning seasons. Not since 1976, Coach Bowden's first year, has FSU had a losing record. I agree. Six and six. If you lose a ball game at six and seven, we'll tweak the record. We won't count bowl wins or whatever. But you got to play that University of Louisiana Monroe game. Uh, you've got to understand the the bigger picture. In some way, somehow, you've got to convince these kids, like you've convinced all of us Letterman after the fact like you've convinced the majority of our fans, not the fringe fans, which are ready to throw up their hands and say, get rid of everything, and I'm not giving my money, and, and screw the FSU program because they're not doing what we think they should do. Those that care, those that, who are invested, those two things, that consecutive bowl streak and the consecutive winning seasons, are, are and should be, and we've got to find a way to impress upon these youngsters that they're important enough to go out there and lay everything on the line these next few ball games and make sure those streaks stay intact. I do think you mentioned, did they learn enough to be able to compete with Clemson? To me, it's not, did they learn enough? It's, are they now confident enough? Are they playing free enough? The reality is that Clemson game, there's not pressure on Florida State. I mean, there's the bowl streak pressure you just mentioned, but nobody nationally is going to give FSU a chance. That's all about what Clemson has to lose, not about what FSU has to gain. To me, that's a game you go in there. And, and just just think back, and again, we'll develop this Wednesday. Last year, Florida State played Clemson very well. In 2015, at Clemson with Sean McGuire, FSU played Clemson pretty well. Uh, so it's not to think that they can't play well. I just, 
I do think that one win over, a, a, if you want to call them an average Syracuse team based on record, but they did beat Clemson, it, it can count for more than one win because of what it injected into that locker room. And I'm just telling you, there was life in there yesterday. Very much so. Because the one thing that we know these kids have, have doubted, they, they've, they've, not, they've been hesitant. They, they're not sure. Well, now they had the opportunity to go out and win a ball game. Forget the score. Forget the opponent. They won the ball game. That little bit of spark, that little bit of added confidence can build upon itself. A great week of practice, great preparation. We know the coaches understand Clemson, where their strengths and weaknesses are. The opportunity to go into Death Valley when everybody's against Tommy, everybody's against you. There'll be very few Florida State fans there. It'll be us against the world. I love that. I love that opportunity. You've got nothing to lose, everything to win. Lay everything out there. Don't hold anything back. Let the game come to you. Have some fun, and let's see what happens. We might we might just be remarkably surprised by how well this Florida State team performs. Keith had his caffeine today, ladies and gentlemen. He's fired up. Well, it, it, it Despite the years, despite the, the, the time frames, this game of football, in many respects, Tommy, is really simple. It's whipping the man in front of you, believing that you can, trusting the guy to your left, trusting the guy to your right, and trusting the fact that your coaches have prepared you, and then going out, everything, leaving everything on the field, because that's the one thing you control. You've heard me say it. Our, our, our listeners have heard me say it. The one thing each player can control is their effort. You leave everything out on that field and see what happens. Most of the time, good things will happen. I told you we'd be in a better mood this week on Front Row Knowles. You're a sus. We'll try to continue it, and we will continue it Wednesday night at 6 when we join you for our regular show. Folks, he's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you then.